Hello and welcome to Hard in Art, the podcast that connects people through creativity. I'm your host, Danny Vanderbrook, a Hong Kong-based writer and teacher of world literature. I'm excited to be here and share the many voices of our enthusiastic and rich art scene here in Hong Kong. Each week we deal with a philosophical question related to the arts and explore the thoughts of our guests in relation to their own craft. We're joined today by Mahek Gidwani. Since her year-long stay in rehab in 2011, she's been sober for over seven years. Today, she's an addiction recovery coach and certified Yoga Alliance teacher focused on addiction. She's practiced and supported individuals through the 12-step program for seven years. Today, she provides addiction education and holistic recovery coaching through her business, Freedom Creations. Welcome to the show, Mahek. Thank you very much. So you're someone who shared your story multiple times in the media. South China Morning Post, Hong Kong Confidential with Jules Hannaford. Yes. Various international schools, events. What has it taken to get you to this point where you can share your story Ooh. so openly? Well, I guess it's been a combination of things. For one, um, sharing sharing is a big part of addiction recovery and how 12-step groups work. People share, I guess the format is that uh, one person will speak at a time and talk about what's going on. Um, and that was, I guess, the first, the first way in which I got comfortable speaking in front of a group of people. Uh, it was terrifying. It sounds it, actually. <laughs> at first. <laughs> so that was the first aspect. And part of that format was also that I shared my history with drug use, what it was like growing up. I uh, started getting comfortable sharing more personal things and getting vulnerable in mm. front of a group of people. So that's been a big part of my journey. So the other thing that came to mind was a uh, necessity Okay. So as you said, right, as you already said, like I, I went to rehab when I was 19 <clears throat> and I was told there that I had an addiction. I went in for uh, substance abuse and alcohol abuse and I was told I had an addiction. And so that started a journey of me understanding what that meant. I guess maybe a year and a half, two years ago, I went to my high school and I went to talk about the experience I had. Um, so I, I went to the school to share about my story and my journey with addiction, and I hadn't been back. I hadn't been back since I left. And when I left, I was in a pretty horrible, embarrassing place. So when you were there, you were an addict, a young addict. I was, yeah. Um, and I guess I was near the height of my messiness. So the whole journey driving up to the school, I was in tears. And I, I walked into the class and then I, I shared my story for about 15 minutes. And whilst I was driving home, I felt, I felt so amazing. I felt adrenaline, I felt relief, I felt heard and I felt a sense of connection. Um, and I thought to myself, this is what I'm here to do. At that time in my life, I had uh, I just left school. I just finished my degree, and I was trying a bunch of different things to figure out what I wanted to do. And driving back from that school, I thought, thinking to myself, "This is this is what I'm here to do." It sounds like it was almost full circle. You finally return there so that you can share your experience with other students, presumably of the same age. Yeah. Um, how does it go when you speak with students at the schools? What is the response that you get from them? Because I think this is quite a new thing. I certainly don't remember oh. anything like that when I was at school. We could have used it. 
Yeah. I mean, I guess I guess what I like about it is that I go in there and I tell them an honest story about my life. And I get really real and there isn't that barrier of adult teenager. Yeah. And the response I get, I it's always it's wonderful. I I feel a sense of connection. Yeah. And I guess it's always quite positive. The other aspect is that I'm like the center of attention and you know there's <laughs> you like to be the center of attention. <laughs> there mm. seem to be two parts to this though. Yes. Right. So there's this piece where you're young, unhappy, in pain and you have to heal. Mm. And storytelling plays a part in that. Like you say, you you came to the meetings and, and eventually you shared. I mean, I don't know what mm. it takes to share in front of a, a group of people, but mm. so it seems to be part of the healing process, but then there's that lovely piece that now you're in a position where you can go on to tell your story to more people mm. and it continues on. Mm. Yeah, um, and I guess I, I feel I feel like it's impactful. It's more impactful than me going to a school and presenting a series of slides of mm. information on addiction. Yeah. And what addiction is. There's something there's something that like hits the heart so much more quickly. If I just share a real life story of this is what happened to me, these are the insights I had through it. Yeah. And a sense of sort of take what you will, learn from it what you will. Yeah, mm. rather than saying this is what you should do or what you shouldn't do. Mm. Um, mm. You can see how that's much more, yeah, like take mm. it, take what you will and leave what we what don't doesn't want work for you. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and also there's something quite startling about someone who is there as a, a representative, an adult representative sharing mm. um, something which oh. is so taboo in many, uh, in many places still. So... That's I imagine true. that in itself has a has a impact. That's true. And I'm guessing it's quite beautiful. I don't know. My assumption is like in a traditional teacher student setting, the adults don't get vulnerable so often, don't share their emotions so often. Yeah. Mm. That's a key mm. word, I think, vulnerability, isn't it? Let's go back to when you were younger then and you were first in rehab, just out of rehab and, mm. and going to the meetings. I mean, what does it take to get you to open up? Mm. Because I imagine that the whole point that one is in addiction in the first place is because of pain. Growing up, I always struggled expressing myself. Mm. I was quite shy and quiet. Yeah. And so I definitely didn't find my voice during my childhood or during my teen years. Okay. Um, so walking into those rooms, it was particularly difficult. Um, mm. I was 19. I was a lot younger than everybody else. So yeah, I guess the fear of opening my mouth felt quite profound. Um, and the beautiful thing is that that process has also been what has enabled me to find my voice. Yeah. So you said, what does it take? I guess what it took, if I remember the first time I shared, what it took for me in that moment was to be in enough pain, um, to be willing to take the risk. Yeah. Uh, there's a saying, right? When the pain of staying the same becomes greater than the pain of changing, um, then we do. So I do remember, I think it was my third or fourth meeting. It was in the UK. I can remember... I have a vision in my head of the chair I was sitting in where my the gaze of my eyes were like towards the ground. And it was the first time in a meeting where I really kind of understood. It's the first time I understood what was going on. Okay. A little bit of what was going on. Yeah. Yeah. And it was towards the end of the meeting. And yeah, that was the first time I said something. 
So do you think it was because there was this kind of flash of recognition that made you um, mm. courageous enough to say something? Mm. There was a recognition that in order to feel better, I need to open my mouth. Yeah. In order to feel better, this is something that can make me feel better. Do you think that, to, to what extent do you think that inability to share, to have a voice or tell one story is a part of addiction? It was a big part of my story. It was a big part of the way I grew up and uh, I guess wounding. Yeah. Uh, it's not part of everybody's. It definitely like created an imbalance in me. It definitely had an impact on my addiction. Yeah. yeah. Not necessarily everyone. So I was going to say, storytelling plays an important role in recovery programs. Why is that? Hmm. Um, I guess it's, it's healing for me to share about my experience. I gain more insight on it every time I speak about it. Yeah. Um, I gain insight from other people sharing their stories and experiences. I gain yeah. insights about myself. And then I also, it also creates connection between me and someone else. Um, storytelling also creates connection. And I've heard, um, I know that there's a, a TED talk on addiction. I can't remember who it's by, but that, that talks about the relationship between connection. Johan Hari. Okay. He says that connection is the opposite of addiction. Which is interesting because it's not how you would imagine it to be I mean what do you did you agree with him yeah I mean I think it's often drugs and alcohol addiction are is often perceived as I don't know I guess a moral issue yeah Um, and for me addiction has so much to do with emotional intelligence and so when he says connection is the opposite of addiction for me it comes down to like many layers of connection connection to myself connection to my emotions, my ability to be honest about them, and to to manage and take care of them. Yeah. Uh, my connection to other people and to feeling a part of. Okay. Yeah. I can imagine it's a, a lonely place to be, addiction. Yeah, it is interesting. I do agree with him. Mm. And I feel like so much of addiction has so much to do with the emotional aspects you know we talked about storytelling um but also i know that many people um integrate art um in some way into their therapy Mm. Um, has that played any part in your story or does that play a part of what you do with your own clients yeah interestingly enough i um well i did art therapy and rehab right many years ago and recently, I did a course online um, on healing attachment wounds. Okay. And a big part of that course was art therapy. And that inspired me to try it out with my clients. Yeah. <clears throat> and one of my clients took to it really fondly, really positively. Okay. Yeah. Um, which has been inspiring for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so much so that it's become a regular part of her routine oh great um she started she started creating art on a regular basis she started sharing it uh and it's it's a really powerful representation of what's going on for her and what she's feeling yeah um the way i feel like it's been healing for me particularly with the course i did 
was that it's a form of somatic healing. Okay. And explain to us. <laughs> what that means. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so it's a form of healing through the body, healing through our emotions and our experiences, okay. healing through the right side of the brain um, rather than the left. Uh, so I explained yesterday yeah. that the right side of the brain runs, what is it, four, four or six times faster okay. than the left. So the left rules <coughs> logic, knowledge, words, understanding. Okay. So say these are the things that I would learn at school in a presentation or a lecture, logic, knowledge, words. Okay. That's the left side. The right side is ruled by emotion, experiences, colors, drawings. And the, this side, the right side, it works four to six times faster than the left side. So my emotions and my experiences, they dictate a lot of my life. This, they run faster in my brain. Um, whereas the knowledge and understanding I have takes a while to catch up. Um, so I guess I find that it, it heals that aspect of me. What kind of things were you asked to do? Like what was part mm. of the art therapy? What kind of activities? And can you remember any of them? <laughs> Back in rehab. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, or the kind of things um, that you have done, you know, mm. with. I guess, I guess I remember, funny that, uh, we went to a New Year's party, um, and she said to us to draw, draw the person we want to leave at home, and draw the person we want to take with us. Okay, yeah. Um, I remember that. And I guess more recently when I've done art therapy, I find it taps into like a meditative state where I get insights. Yeah, and in the course I did, I did... One of the exercises was to draw each of my family members. Okay. To draw sort of their relationship with boundaries around them and to draw my connection to each one of them. Right. So yeah. another exercise was to draw myself in the middle Yeah. and to draw my boundaries around myself. So whether that's a, like a thick, dark line, meaning that no one's allowed to come in and I have very strict rules about how I operate. Yeah. Or whether it's like a sort of a fuzzy, unclear, changing line. Okay, where you're flexible. Where I'm like... I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, where I'm like different mm -hmm. in different situations. I'm different with different people. I'm kind of unclear about what my boundaries are. Okay. Yeah. Or it might be like a dotted line. Or it might be a line with little entry points mm -hmm. where people can come in and people can leave. And so the cool thing is, I guess when I did it without thinking, yes, like when I did it and I was able to just put my mind aside for a moment, I learned when I did it intuitively and kind of went with the flow to understand what my boundaries look like. Yeah. Um, and then what was cool was that I redrew how I would like it to be. Yeah, yeah. that's really nice to have that clear visual representation of mm. something that's quite abstract. Yeah, completely. See how that would bring clarity. Completely. And I find it quite interesting to like tap into the intuitive mind. Yeah. It's not something I would have been able to see so clearly in like a talk therapy session. Yeah. I wouldn't have had the same insight. Yeah. And I imagine there are various different situations in which that would be the case where mm. some sort of like almost an infographic that you can play yeah. with would be useful. Yeah. And I, I feel like some healing happened. Yeah. Or some reprogramming when I drew in the new boundaries of how I would like it to be. Okay. 
Yeah. yeah. What do you think your clients, what do you hope that they gain from the activities that you do with them? I guess in a similar way, I feel like there are times where they are able to get more insight yeah. through doing an activity like that versus um, us talking about it. So we can talk about it to a certain degree. And then if they go away in their own personal time, they're able to reflect over this exercise and then come back Mm. and we can discuss how it went. Yeah. And I know for me as well, um, whilst doing exercises, similar exercises, I've had emotions come up. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And pass through me. Yeah. I mean, even in the process of, um, I would say, you know, writing, Mm. when I wrote fiction, Mm. um, there's definitely this like real connection between what is happening to you at any given time in your own life mm. and then the kind of things that come through in the writing and, and how emotions process when you're doing that. Mm. Yeah, so it's, you know, it's something that, that I find interesting. I imagine for visual mm, artists, interesting. they have a similar reaction to it. Interesting. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So what's the question? Just to come back to the title of the podcast and our question for this week. Yes. um, How can storytelling heal? How would you summarize then Mm. everything that that we've talked about? Mm. Well, I guess it's been very healing for me as a way to reflect on my past, as a way to reflect on my present and how I am day to day, and to use those as, as information. To be able to change. Yeah. It's healed me by showing me that I am I'm similar to other people, that I have similar emotions, thoughts, experiences. Storytelling has made me feel closer to other people through hearing their more personal stories, through sharing mine and feeling seen and heard. Yeah, it's helped me heal by I guess feeling a sense of acceptance, acknowledgement when I when I go into public and I talk about the aspects of my life that I'm more embarrassed or ashamed about. Yeah. To say that out loud and then to be applauded or to be accepted. Or even, in a lesser degree, just not to receive any negative feedback, any bashing, <laughs> anything that might happen in my own mind. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I've heard yeah. someone say once the uh, antidote to shame is sharing. Mm. And that's kind of what you're saying. Beautiful, there, right? yeah. Yeah. I'm guessing Brene Brown has yeah some definitely <laughs> a world on this topic, and then I and then I feel like um, for the students I speak to, storytelling heals because I guess in the same way, what I tend to share about is the way I felt as a teenager, yeah, the way I felt as a young kid, and it gives permission, yeah, to say to say I don't have it all figured out. I don't <laughs> to say I don't feel so cool. I'm scared. I wish I had more friends. Whatever it is for a teenager. Mm -hmm. It gives permission to say that. Yeah. And then I guess the last bit was, instead of me going in and lecturing, it's me going in and being honest. This is my experience. Yeah. And authentic, right? Yeah. It strikes Mm. me... um, we had uh, Karina Calver come on an earlier episode talking about her memoir. And it, it just strikes me how everything that we've said about telling true stories or telling stories and mm. memoirs, things that really happened to us, there's just this parallel with fiction throughout because mm. I think many of the things that we've talked about, mm-hmm. people could find in the reading of fictional stories as well. But there's obviously yeah. that added, you know, that added connection because you know it is somebody who really exists who you could actually meet (laughs) completely and i feel like for the 
for the schools I go to, mm. there's an added impact because I am an ESF alumni who grew up in Hong Kong. Yeah. And I'm sharing at ESF schools, international schools in Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. And that I was using drugs and in my addiction during my teen years. At the same age, many of the kids are hearing my stories. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So there is a sense of relatability. It's so important for young people, I think, to see themselves reflected so that they have something to, yeah, something to aspire mm. to or look up to or realize that there are people who uh, turn things around. <laughs> yeah. If you like. Yeah. And they're not that different or weird. Exactly. That's an important thing. <laughs> Finally mm. then, let's come to Freedom Creations. Oh, yes. Yeah. So this is your, your business that you run currently. Yes. This is my baby. Okay. My baby so business. Your baby. <laughs> your creation. Yes, Mike. <laughs> so uh, tell us um, tell us more. What do you do now? What does, uh, what does your average day look like? Okay. Well, so a big part of the business is uh, private one-on-one coaching okay. for people who are in recovery from addiction. The main addictions that I focus on are drugs and alcohol, anything food, exercise, body image related, and our relationship to or addiction to sex and love. So that's one facet. Private clients. Have my private clients. I also teach yoga on a regular basis. That is also a form of somatic healing. Yeah. It's a form of creating a greater connection to oneself, one's breath, body, mind, emotions. It's a way of healing the nervous system, it's a way of releasing trauma. It's a way of understanding our emotional reactions. And you said EQ is an important... Yeah. Yeah, developing one's EQ. Yes. And it's a very, like, body-based way of learning how to do that. Okay. Um, so that's the second aspect. And then the third aspect is this education, sharing um, that I do with schools and communities. Yeah. Wonderful. Thank you. So where do we find you when we need your help? (laughs) (laughs) I wish I had a better answer to this question. For right now, you can find me on LinkedIn. Okay. Yes. And my name, Mahek Gidwani. (laughs) Hong Kong, Freedom Creations, a few of those buzzwords. Okay. All right. All right. So we'll try and and put a link on the Facebook page. Okay. All uh, right. Brilliant. For Heart in Art. Wonderful. (laughs) So thanks very much for coming on the show. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah. It was great to talk to you. We hope you enjoyed today's show. Show. If you'd like to join in the discussion, have questions or comments, please post on our Facebook wall at fb.me forward slash heart in art 2019. If you love art and would like to take part in the show, contact us at m.me forward slash heart in art 2019. I've been your host, Danny Vanderbrook. Thank you for listening. See you next time. <laughs>